0: Welcome to the podcast and the church said this podcast discusses faith, mental health, church, and culture from a Christian counseling perspective. I am Dr. Monique smith Gatson, and I am your host for this podcast. Consider me your church counselor and consultant who is discipling the body and the members in mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual health. I am trained in both psychology and theology, equipped and equipping for the work of the ministry. Although I am a licensed clinician, this podcast is not intended to serve as therapy. We strongly encourage you to seek out your own personal relationship with a professional therapist. This applies also to our special guests who have opinions and professional insights and expertise of their own. Their contribution is also not to be regarded as therapy. Our aim here is to hold conversation around these important topics, regarding the church and mental health. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad to have you join us on today. Thank you again to all of you who subscribe and share and support the podcast. It is really, 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 really appreciated by me. I'm so grateful for your support. So thank you so much for the ways that you continue to support the podcast. All right, everyone, I have two very special guests with me on today. I am just so, so fond of these two women um, and the conversations that we have been so privileged to engage in over the last several months or so since I've become familiar with them. But today we have the podcast host, From Black to the Beginning, we have Dr. Samantha Coleman, with us and we have Sandria Washington with us on today. So ladies,
1: welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> thank you we are excited to officially be here yes. <laughs> I feel like this is our this is our third podcast with you but the first one to go live so. right exactly exactly
0: <laughs> yes we have had some beautiful conversations already and so this is going to be the one that the public will be privileged to be a part of so the best one yeah the best one absolutely we can only go up from here right <laughs> yes um so y'all will each of you just introduce yourselves and let each um let the listeners know who you are individually and what it is that you guys do collectively in your own way thank you so much for doing that for us
2: oh i always have such a difficult time with this um Mm -hmm. but hey everybody so um dr samantha coleman uh in my professional life if we want to you know touch on that Um, I like to consider myself a leadership guru, an accountability partner to the masses. Uh, I teach, I coach. I am all about personal development um, from now and across the lifespan. So that for me is something that's like extremely important in my day-to-day life. Um, it also is the foundation for me as a Black adoptee as well, because I recognize that a lot of some of the traumas that I've experienced as an adoptee um, are steeped in the way I have gone about living my life, um, but they've also been a part of my resiliency, you know, as well. So as someone who's in the leadership development space, someone who's now in um the creative space, if you will, as it relates to, you know, producing a podcast on Black adoption. I'm just really excited and honored to be here to essentially, like, pair both of my loves, you know, together um, to really assist, you know, other people that are part of the Black adoption experience and are on their own personal healing journeys or just simply who want to know more about this experience and to lend their insights, to be educated, what have you. So thank you so much for inviting us here today. It's greatly appreciated.
0: Yeah, thank you for being a
1: part, Dr. Sam.
2: All right, Ms. Andrea.
1: It's on me. Um, and I'm <laughs> similar to Dr. Sam, like where do you even start with these types of introductions? Uh, I will start with, I am a Chicago girl born and raised. Uh, we're actually both Chicago girls, b- both very proud Chicago girls. Uh, born on the west side, raised on the south side. That's a, a part of the story, story that we'll get into later. Um, my background has been writing and communications and that's personally and professionally. Um, kind of being a born, a born storyteller. Um, my birth in itself is, is a story. Um, but professionally being able to do that um, in book publishing, in digital media, in radio, um, doing it now through the podcasts. And I also have a a particular interest in healing and wellness, specifically personal healing. So healing from the inside out, a lot of the work that I do and that I enjoy is working with black women and girls, just making sure that we have the tools and the resources and the safe spaces that we need to heal from the inside out. So I am a certified yoga instructor. I'm a certified meditation teacher. Um, And I just believe that healing, you know, it's, it's a continuous ongoing process, but in that process, we have to make it fun. So I believe in healing through self-discovery and play. That's what I try to share with people that I work with. That's what I try to share with women and girls. And that's kind of like my life philosophy. And so it's been really helpful to marry that with the work that we're doing through uh, Black to the Beginning and around Black adoption, because this is work that neither of us, could have imagined <laughs> we'd mm-hmm. be doing this work and so it's just really cool to see how all the pieces of of our lives personally and professionally just kind of fit together for a time such as this
0: yeah wow Time such as this isn't that the truth and so I know as the listeners have heard you all introduce yourselves um, and which is what I wanted to give space for you all to kind of give them an idea of what is like, what's black to the beginning? Like, what does this mean? So yeah, it is discussion around black adoption, which I just think is absolutely fantastic in and of itself. And um also, and I think that was a part of what had drawn me to you all when I first listened to you on Truth Table. Shout out to our
1: girlfriends
0: there. Yep.
1: Shout out <laughs> to Table. Congratulations on the new yes. book, please. We, yes, we yes, definitely yes. love yes. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. My copy is right there. So yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, Yeah, just listening, but also that the overlap of the development piece, because that's me too. you know, across the lifespan, I'm all about, you know, the development and what is hindering that um, in various seasons and phases of our lives. And I thought the beauty of it is, you know, your personal stories around Black adoption and how um, you know, Century, as you talk about, like how all of these pieces just fit so neat and nice together. You know, kind of unbeknownst to y'all, kind of being mm-hmm. tossed into this world, but um, nonetheless, just the beauty of how all of this works together and it, you know, it fits together. And I think that that's the part that, it, it, all of the parts, just really draws me, you know, to it. I think personally you know, um, for, for various reasons, but also from the professional end, you know, where we, we do talk about this, this development and this healing. um, And it is a process. And I love that. And I've never heard it stated that way about, um, you have to insert some fun, you know, along the way in there. But I do tell people that this is a journey, it's a journey ahead. And you do, you do have to find ways to just say, okay, it's enough of that kind of put it on the shelf, you know, or like, I, I like to say, um, it's like, the leftovers after dinner, put them in a container, put them in the refrigerator, you know, then we go back to that. You know, we'll go back to it, but we don't have to do it all, you know, right now. Um, so with that being said, will each of you begin to kind of share with us a little bit about how it is that you were brought into this world of black adoption because I think the stories are just fascinating. And I'll go ahead and put it in right here and I'll do it again at the end. And of course it'll be all in the show notes. But Y'all really need to listen to their podcast, (laughs) Black to the Beginning (laughs) podcast, because my Lord, anyway, yeah, just listen to it. I don't even have words, but just listen to it and you'll know why I don't have words. It's just phenomenal. It's superb. The beautiful narratives that are told, not from only each of you, but the guests that you have too, just never ceases to amaze me. You talk about that storytelling. Hmm. Y'all do that, like, par excellence, so, um, oh, yeah, it's, it's beautiful, <laughs> but anyway, let me reel myself back in and calm myself down, like, wusa. okay, um, yeah, whew, um, it's good, but, but talk about that, um, how you all were, were, were kind of thrust into this world um, of Black adoption, and then we'll just kind of start there and unfold some more of the conversation.
2: Yeah, so I can go ahead and start. And as we're talking about this notion of storytelling, I think I often leave out. I always start like at 26 years of age because like that's when I initially found out. But when I really think back on it, the magnitude of how it hit me at 26 really goes back to me being about two weeks off of my 25th birthday. Um, And it was at that point, I actually got married uh, at 24. Two weeks later, my husband left for Iraq. We were separated for about a good year and a half. Um, But then upon his return, we had the big, you know, extravagant wedding. You know, you're thinking that now that this individual was back from war, you have this opportunity to step into life right like now is the opportunity to live to build this family Mm -hmm. to you know have the life that you have envisioned right Mm -hmm. so this is august of 2016. by november 2016 my mother then comes to me and says you know i really want to sit down and you know have lunch with you which you know no big thing like we're accustomed to having lunch but at this lunch I like to joke over my sizzling chicken and cheese at Fridays, <laughs> if anybody knows, um, is when she divulges, you know to me that I was adopted. And so I remember, you know, at that point, <laughs> just one not only being shocked by you know being adopted or at least having that information divulged, but when I really like tend to think about it, it's just like here's yet another trauma, right, Mm -hmm. that had occurred, right? So it's like thinking back from what had just transpired uh, from 24 up until that point. And I'm bringing that up now because my husband was actually the first person that I told that I was adopted. And it was, you know, after sitting there with my mother, recognizing that, you know, this is information that in the back of my head, I pretty much already knew or felt you know, intuitively that I was not biologically bound to this particular family, but thinking to myself, like, now I have to tell this man Mm -hmm. who just came back from war, who just, you know, we're getting ready to start this life together, that the woman that you thought you knew is not the woman. And the woman that I thought that I knew is not the same person either, you know, at this point. And so I think when you get information such as that, or at least for me at that particular point in time, I was embarrassed, you know, about it, definitely ashamed, not knowing what to do with that information. I didn't know anybody that was adopted, certainly not anyone who was black and Mm -hmm. adopted and just taking that information and, and like putting it in my back pocket, you know? So it was like, I'm the type of person where it's like, I'm gonna have a good cry and I'm going to move on. I like to think mm-hmm. that, you know, my bounce back game tends to be strong, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, let's let's move on, you know, from this. Um, and so that's at 26 years of age. And, you know, every once in a while I would, you know, think about it, but I would try not to focus on it, you know, too much until it was to the point of, you know, having children. And so by the time I was 28, that was, you know, a time where we had decided that we were going to you know, get pregnant and and that whole thing, and uh, I lost that initial pregnancy. And I remember um, just having such a a heavy feeling behind it because I was excited about the notion of the fact that this was going to be the first person that I knew that was blood related to me. So you know, losing that pregnancy um, and then feeling traumatized by that, and not even wanting to be you know pregnant again. Um, But tried again, you know, um, by the time I hit 30. And at that point in 2010 was when Illinois had opened up the records. It was May 2010 where they decided that they were going to allow for um, adoptees the opportunity to see their original birth certificate. And so I remember applying at that point. I think I was pregnant by that point um, as well with my daughter. And um, It took about a year and a half before I actually got that physical birth certificate, you know, in my hand. So it was about 2012 in which I received it. And then having that information again is like a traumatic experience. So it's like it feels like it should be happy and exciting and all that. But it's like here is another indication of a lie, right? That's being told to you because it does not resemble what you see all the time. You know, you ask your parents for your birth certificate, you're accustomed to seeing a certain thing. And now you see this other piece that is actually the truth, right? So going through that process um, was just extremely uh, confusing It was uh, taxing, you know, emotionally, and still at the same time, like being pregnant. But to speed this along just a little bit, like having my daughter, going through the process of trying to identify um, birth family and things of that nature, that's in 2012. Um, I do come into contact with a few biological family members along the way, but it's not until 2016 that I actually have the opportunity to um, <clears throat> touch base with biological mother, father, siblings, and that whole thing. And it's at that point that I decide 10 years later that I'm going to actually share this information with my good girlfriends. And so 2016 became my, I'm going to tell y'all I'm adopted campaign. So I went around, <laughs> you know, gathering my good friends and letting them know like, Hey, you know, yes this is my story. Please don't think that I'm out here being a fake and a phony and not trusting you all. It's just that I didn't know what to do, you know, with this sort of information. Um, And there really weren't resources at that time. Um, So at this point in the story, I think it's like always like the the handoff baton um, to my partner in crime, where it's like 2016, I found this information. I tell Sandria, you know, as we are actually in the midst of going to a an event for her she's getting an award and I'm letting her know in the car like hey you know this is my situation and I remember like
1: <laughs> this dang that's messed up <laughs> You know, this like what do you even say that literally was the most honest thing because it, it was like damn this." that's messed up <laughs> So I'm taking the baton on the dang, that's messed up. Dang, that's messed up. So yeah, that's, that's 2016. I wouldn't have my own uh, damn, that's messed up moment until 2018. Um, so for me, and this kind of ties back to what we spoke about earlier when uh, we mentioned, you know, those things that hinder you, that hinder your development mm-hmm. or just hinder mm-hmm. your personal growth. Right. And so I feel like I've always been a person that has um, been on a search, a person that has always wanted to know things, has always wanted to know things about myself. How can I be better? How can I feel better? So as a child, I was um, I was personable. I was outgoing, but I was also very just. Um, emotional, uh, Mm -hmm. often very sad. I would spend a lot of time to myself. Um, I grew up with an older brother. Uh, My brother and I are 10 years apart. Uh, Our parents separated when I was about maybe six. So my mom raised the both of us. Uh, she comes from a very large family. She was the oldest of 14. So I had a gang of cousins, a gang of aunts and uncles, you know, always people around. But even in the midst of being around people, you know, being around other family and growing up with a lot of friends, being somebody who was well-liked, I always felt very alone um, Mm -hmm. or just not quite in place. And so that's always been something that had just plagued me, that is just kind of, I even use the word haunted me, you know, to the point of, I guess, just being obsessed with this search for self, you know, what, what does that even mean? So like over the years, that's looked like, um, eventually going into therapy, that's looked like eventually getting into yoga and all these different modalities, but never really knowing like, okay, what, what are you searching for? Like you, (laughs) you are here, you know, it's like a map, like you are here. What are you still searching for? And I could never really put my finger on it. And so, you know, life goes on. My mother passes away very suddenly at the end of 2011. At the time I was 31 Um, and you know, that kind of just was what it was. And so fast forward to Thanksgiving of 2017 uh, I'm at one of my aunt's uh, homes. Um, It's myself and two of my cousins at the kitchen table. And We have been together all afternoon, had a nice Thanksgiving meal, everything's good. And one of my cousins turns to me and she just mentions, um, Are you mad at me? And I'm like, No. (laughs) Like, we've been around each other all afternoon. Like, No, what are you talking about? And she mentions that um, she says, I sent you a message on Instagram and I thought you might be mad about it. And so I tell her, I haven't seen this message on Instagram. I don't know what you're talking about, but but we're good. So the evening just continues on and I go back home, go to bed. The next morning, so this is Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving, I pop up and I'm just like, "Let me let me check my Instagram and just see if there's a message." And so, I check my Instagram, And I see that there is a message in the the other folder. So the folder where all the messages from people who are not your friends go to die. (laughs) So I I (laughs) click on this folder and I see that there is, in fact, a message from her. And in this message, she essentially tells me that I am adopted and she just kind of leaves it at that. There's no real context. Um, I don't. Reply to her message because I don't even know what to say. Um, And so I close out of my Instagram and I immediately um, go down to the floor and I pull out the photo albums that are underneath my bed. So when my mother passed, I collected all the family photo albums that she had. So I pull out these books and I'm going through baby books. I'm going through my baby book. I'm going through my brother's baby book. I'm looking at photos to see if I look like my family. Do I look like these people? Could there be even an ounce of truth to what my cousin is saying? And so I do that. And similar to Samantha, you know, I kind of just tuck it in my back pocket. I don't really tell anybody about it. I don't even know what to think. And so the next few months, it's just kind of lingering in the background. It's not a big deal. Fast forward to March of 2018, I'm on a business trip and I'm talking with two of my girlfriends who I also worked with at the time. And we had gotten into a conversation about children and relationships and none of us had had children. Um, my two friends, they were both married, but they they didn't have children. And so I mentioned that I had kind of always had an interest in adopting it was something that I was open to and so we got into this conversation about adoption and so once we started talking about it that opened the door for me to feel comfortable to tell them about this message from my cousin and my friend Morgan once she heard the story she was just like Sandria you gotta you gotta find out if it's true or not you know, you can't, you can't live in limbo. She's already put it out there. So you, you need to see whether it's true and then figure out how you want to deal with it from there. So when she put it to me like that, it's like, you know what, you're right. And so maybe a few weeks after that, I called my aunt. So the same aunt who I was at her house for Thanksgiving, I call her um, and I eventually just come out and tell her, I say, hey, Some information recently came my way. I want to know if this is true. Is it true that I'm adopted? And she paused and she said, yes, you are adopted. And so that just kind of snowballed everything from there. She didn't have any real information. She couldn't really tell me, you know, my my parents' reasons for adopting. Like she didn't know anything. And so I got off the phone with her. I called my brother he was similar he didn't have a lot of information either um and so when I left both of those phone calls I just felt very uh very dejected but also in a way very validated because it kind of just confirmed for me what I had been feeling all mm-hmm. my life and now finally I can pinpoint something I can pinpoint that I'm not crazy. You know, what I was feeling was actually true, true feeling. And so after that, the next day, I immediately go on Google. I'm searching for, you know, how do you get your original birth certificate? I send off for that and everything just started happening really, really fast. So I was able to get my original birth certificate in probably about two, two and a half weeks. Um, From there, I was able to connect with a biological sister, a younger sister, maybe about two weeks after that. So within a month and a half of me having that conversation with my aunt, her confirming that I'm adopted, um, I met my first biological relative. I went to Pittsburgh, met my sister and. Again, everything just super, super fast-tracked. Um, I met her, found out that we have three other siblings. So there were five girls born in this family. Um, and when I found out the information, of course, Samantha is one of the first people that I went back to like, <laughs> you are not gonna believe this. Like, <laughs> you are not gonna I'm adopted. And, I took the approach. I went on my uh, I'm adopted campaign immediately. Like it wasn't something that I could hold as a secret. I literally wanted everybody to know because I just felt like one, it was completely unheard of, incredible. um, But also I just didn't want to, silence myself. I didn't want to be the person that keeps this going. So literally everybody and their mama (laughs) had to know that I was adopted. Um, And then eventually maybe about a year after me finding out that's when Samantha and I connected again specifically around Black adoption and connecting around what do we do to put this, push this conversation forward you know we don't we don't know what it looks like it didn't have a name at the time but we both felt compelled by that time and this was 2019 um to do something you know what are the odds that both of us as friends um are both late discovery adoptees late discovery black adoptees in Chicago you know like the coincidences were just too many Mm -hmm. and I think from both of our experiences, even though they were a little bit different, I think we both just felt this sense of urgency about this shouldn't be happening or, or this shouldn't continue to happen in Black families. You mm-hmm. know, what What are the ramifications of keeping a secret that large? And, and why, why do we do it? You know, mm-hmm. trying to get underneath that and so at that point, Blacks of the Beginning was born, and here we are.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh my goodness. It's like every time I just, I hear it again, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just overtaken by so many um, different emotions, which is interesting to even hear you all like the words that you use to describe it, you know, dejected and, but yet validated, you know, and it's traumatizing. And I, and I, um, because I'm always big on people naming their feelings, you know, that's the hallmark of emotional health, right? What's your feeling? So that's mm-hmm. the thing. But, um, also because, and y'all both know, um, you know, my premise here is like faith and, and church and mental health. Um, one of the reasons I'm so glad that y'all are are shedding or shining, I should say, light on adoption, Black adoption specifically, is because of all of these other vantage points that y'all bring to the table. Because I think, and I can only speak from my very limited experience, you know, when I was on staff at um, at a church and I... Had a community kind of program about you know raising the focus on black adoption and well adoption in the African American community and the church. So I you know I contacted a couple of um, adoption agencies. I knew of some families in the church who had adopted. You know, was just trying to bring it together and just bring out the others who had the same lived experience. You know, and so like maybe within this congregation, people can kind of come together and say, "Oh, we have the same experience." You know, and just find some comfort. Um, you know, just by having a shared experience. However, I know sometimes we tend to, um, you know, and especially in, in Black church, and now, and I know, hmm, for my disclaimer, I I know a whole lot of things that involve evolved over the years, so. Thank the Lord for progress, yes. However, <laughs> <laughs> we Hallelujah. can still say there are still <laughs> some some concerns in some areas, you know, that we just, you know, still are like, oh, okay. yeah, so... I know sometimes there is this this desire and this emphasis to kind of jump to, you know, but it's just like, you know, we've all been adopted into the family of the Lord, you know, of God, and, you know, to make these connections where we can kind of go, oh, yeah, you know, we should be praying. And, but I'm so happy that y'all are like pointing out these nuances in terms of this adverse set of feelings and reactions around this. And this is why I so still encourage everybody to please listen to y'all's podcast, because even so many of those various nuances, like you're saying about Black family and how Black adoption does take place in Black family, but we don't just really You know, talk about it like grandma just take on the children. Like she raised them as well. You know, when y'all brought all of that to light, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just so many layers. You know, to this whole um, topic, this theme of black adoption that you all do 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 such a beautiful job um, in exploring um, in more um, in depth. You know, so I, I, that's one other reason. I still want to keep encouraging people to hear hear you all, hear these women. But um, I'm grateful for the fact that you talked about it. And, and Dr. Sam, especially when you, you label it as a trauma, you know, and people sometimes may not think about that unless, you know, you're walking in those shoes that it should be like, oh, well, you found it. Oh, well. You know, it's like we want to we want to run to point out the well, at least you had a good family, you know, and we, we kind of go there. But I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that you guys kind of um go to these places where we might try to not talk about, you know, surrounding the black adoption. I, I just wanted to ask. Um, and I know this could be a whole conversation (laughs) in and of itself, but when you, when you think about it in the context of black church, you know, whatever that experience has been for y'all, where do you think black church has kind of gotten it or not gotten
2: it from y'all's perspective around? That's, that's a good question. Um, I think it's, crucial for people to one, like think about what is their relationship to the church first. At least that's just from like where I sit. Mm -hmm. So I definitely value spirituality. I am a Christian, but what I have had in my own experiences with the black church is that sometimes it's not as open or, as um, forgiving, if you will, of various situations that happen with people, both individually in their families as a collective you know church family or what have you, you spoke a little bit, you know, too, to the point of like you know calling like the adoption of trauma, and right, and it's like we can just you know like uh pray it away or we can simply like, well, you're part of this, you know, church family or what have you. And it's like, I'm sorry, that's just not, um, Mm -hmm. it's not feasible. Everyone Mm -hmm. has their own individual family. I like to think of the church as a community or like another place to um, maybe have like some extended, you know, family, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we cannot discount the fact that as human beings, we have like (laughs) that nuclear family that we want to have that connection, you know, to, you know. And we Mm. can't just simply pray traumas away. Mm. And when we think about adoption, and I was even thinking about what Sandria said about like wanting to tell people like right away, right. And so like, for me being a little bit different in that regard, I think also has a lot to do with the news being traumatic. But then when you're going through a process of even trying to find your family, there's all these different things that make it traumatic. So it's traumatic to have to call somebody on the phone to be like, hey, so was I adopted here? (laughs) You know, it's traumatic for someone to say like, I deserve, you know, to see my original birth certificate But wait, 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 legally, we're going to make you wait a year and a half to see whether or not your birth family will accept or reject this. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, it's like, you're essentially, at least at the time period in which my adoption, you know, was, uh, or at least my coming into the knowledge of my adoption was going on, it -hmm. was continuously traumatic. I don't believe for me personally, the... Black church, if you will, might have been um, instrumental in my healing during that particular (laughs) time. I just don't. Mm -hmm. I have to Mm -hmm. be straight up, you know, about that.
0: Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's where
2: I stand.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Girl, ooh, that's (laughs) you. I would just tag on to that. And it's interesting you mentioned that, Sam, because, yeah, I didn't like when all of this came up, I didn't run to the church. Like I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't even run into therapy, which when I look back on, I'm like, well, why, why didn't I get into therapy immediately? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't run to those two things. I immediately ran to my friends. So it wasn't even back to my family who Mm -hmm. knew this information. It was to Samantha and a group of other girlfriends, you know, the people that I felt closest to and safest with. So even in a situation like that, yeah, the the church was not my <laughs> was not my first stop. I feel like and this isn't just the black church, but I think most of the time when people are talking about adoption and, you know, orphan children, it's it's always from this very or or the, the the premise is supposed to be this very benevolent and goodwill place. Like, oh, these children, you know, you need to take care of these children. They need families and churches doing these baby drives, which I've never experienced. I, I feel like maybe that might've been a little bit more common. I don't know, maybe the era right before we were born or or maybe it was happening when we were born and I just didn't grow up at the time where I can um recall seeing that happen, but I know that that definitely is a thing was a thing they they still do it, you know they have these altar calls for for families to adopt, and I would just be curious you've never seen an adoptee in the pulpit, you know it's always from the perspective of the adoptive parents or the prospective adoptive parents. You never really get the children, you know, mm. and I always say it's these babies, we eventually grow up, right? So yes, as as a, a parent, you you may have a very benevolent outlook and you want to give a good home and you want to care for someone, but that's not the totality of the adoption experience. You're going to bring that child home and they are going to have some feelings. Some of them might be negative. They are going to have impacts from the trauma because it's it's a trauma just flat out from, from the beginning, the moment you are actually, maybe even before the moment you're separated. So what was happening you know, during those nine months that that can also impact you. But definitely at the point of separation, you are living with this, whether you know that you are adopted or not. And so I just feel like the church and other organizations, there's constantly this message of we need to adopt children. There's so many Black children in foster care, but there's never that discussion of the other side of it. And you're not gonna hear that discussion if you are not listening to adoptees who are old enough to speak for themselves and articulate for themselves.
0: That's powerful. Yeah, and you are right. I'm sitting here just thinking back on the many, 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 many years, you know, I've been in, in church and you are absolutely, um, you're right about that I, I'm just going to make two points and then we'll begin to kind of round out the conversation you know um, uh, first and foremost this week as a matter of fact I, I was talking about just how we can um, we can invite people to see Jesus through us when we are familiar and when we are safe and um, when we are um, trustworthy, (laughs) you know, I'm just talking about that just this week. Um, So even, you know, to hear you say like, those were the people that you were looking for, which, you know, would have been your closest friends at that time. um, I think it just reiterates that message that, yeah, if we don't feel, you know, safe and inviting and, and know how to handle that kind of information and kind of tying that back into, you know, Dr. Sam, what you even mentioned, (laughs) because you're right, you know, it is a community, and that's exactly what I call church. I do call it um, a community, because when I, when I think through, when I think about it in the, um, through the lens of it being a a church family, quote, unquote, um, I, I, being trained in marriage and family therapy and and systems thinking, then my concern as well as some of my conversation has been, well, when all of us come together, you know, as this family, but if we're coming from family that is not the healthiest, then what do we bring when we're coming together as this big church family? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because systemically speaking, we, whatever happens in you know one system, we usually tend to kind of bring that and replicate those relational dynamics in another system um, in some shape, form or fashion. So it does um, bear in mind that we are coming from various family systems. And if we if we don't think about how do, we bring this together in healthy ways, those who may be considered, I guess, in the minority, if you will, you know, the adoptee, then how do we even account for that? From that perspective and that vantage point, as you're saying, because you know we just may kind of go like, oh, you know, come on, because you're you're part right. of a family, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. come on in. It's kind of like, well, you now last time somebody told me I was part of a family, I really wasn't part of a family. Mm-hmm. Came to find out, you know. So right. having to really consider what all of those experiences may feel like and and be like, and even just having to be mindful that maybe this looks differently really in the big picture than we think it really is supposed to look. That's what it leaves
1: me kind of thinking,
0: you know? Um, Especially to to hear that we don't get to hear the adoptee's story
1: you like really don't. You, really don't. you re- like, if you think back or if you think about conversations with family or friends or things you see on TV, like how often are you really hearing from yeah. the adoptee? Right. Yeah. Like that's not the usual, that's not the normal, you yeah. know? So I think that's part of why we're excited about our work because when we first kind of put this into the social media space, that conversation connected in that way was not happening. You know, a lot of adoptees still kind of keep that close to the chest. That's not something that they are just openly talking about whether it's in public or in private, like that just really wasn't a thing. But now, you know, fast forward all these years later, now you have, you know, adoptee TikTok and you have all the different Instagram pages of people who are in this space, you know, more black adoptees who are who are speaking out. But Mm -hmm. that wasn't the norm, you know, and even with everybody that's speaking now, I still feel like it's still such a small drop in in this larger ocean of conversation but we recognize that our drops like we have to keep speaking you know maybe eventually we will become the ocean but we just got to keep doing it drop by drop by drop by drop uh, and not allowing the conversation to be driven the way Mm -hmm. that it's normally been driven
2: Mm -hmm. and to the point about like the adoptee perspective, not being out there, just even going back to the, the black church, it's just like when you're doing like altar call, right. And you're, you're wanting people to come as they are. Right. So it's like, we, Mm -hmm. we don't know what your background is or what have you, but we're inviting you Mm -hmm. (laughs) into, you know, this space, The, the doors of the church are open. You can hear whatever it is that you need to hear about these people who are coming into like their newfound spirituality, but it's like, you haven't heard anything from the adoptee's perspective. And so it's like, you can't really be like, we're open to that because you don't know anything about it because it isn't even discussed, you know, in any way. So it's like, how are we meeting people where they're at? If -hmm. the conversation under the thread hasn't even occurred or if it does occur it's minimized you know in a way you know again going back to that well we're here for you now Mm -hmm. and it's like I think it just really has to be even for not just the church right but even if you think about like your family your friends and Sandra correct me if I'm wrong but as an adoptee it's so layered so even when people are like oh I understand or oh they get excited about, you know, you meeting biological family Mm -hmm. or whatever, it's like, people are still always putting their stuff Mm -hmm. on like how you should and should not feel, you know, or what have you, because it's, it's not aligned with what their understanding, you know, of it is.
1: No, I totally agree. And that's probably the one thing, even four years later, the one thing that probably annoys me the most when I tell somebody I'm adopted and, you know, the first thing they want to say is, well, I'm sure your mother loved you. And I'm sure she did. You know, like, yes, that (laughs) is true. But also, can we talk about the lie? Can we talk about how it makes me feel? But immediately people will go to the positive or what they perceive as the positive let's let's tie this in a ribbon you know you grew up in a good family your mother loved you and those things can be true but don't sweep under the rug how i feel about the experience
0: yeah oh my goodness yeah, you're absolutely right, because that does discount, you know, and I say we do this in grief, you know, support mm-hmm. all of the time. We don't know how to sit with people in discomfort, you know, yeah. so we automatically, you know, start saying the things like, oh, you know, God needed yeah. the person and, you know, you're just like, hey, God, somebody right.
1: that's all-powerful needs somebody. Right. You know, just it's kind of just saying like, say like, like man, like, dang, that's messed up. Like that's how up. Up. I told him, like, that's messed up. <laughs> like... And that's an honest reaction, it leaves space, yes. you know, so even if she doesn't think it's messed up or she does think it's messed up, like it just leaves space yes. for her to feel how she feels and If you hear something, if somebody tells you something that obviously sounds messed up, yeah. you should be able to admit like that sounds messed up <laughs> like, like, I don't know how you're doing with this, but that's how messed Next. up to me that's like. Right. Mm-hmm it's gotta be
0: for that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think the humility and just being okay with not knowing, Um, you know, I know as being trained as therapists, we we're told that like all of the time you spend an hour with the person, you know, the first session or the 10 sessions or the hundred sessions that they may come, you still only know what they tell you. You know, there's a lot that we don't know, and we should never, ever lose that perspective of not knowing and being okay with not knowing, but consider, you got to give it consideration that it's something you don't know, but be okay with that, you know? So even when you just don't know what to do with it, it's okay to say like, wow, I really don't even know what to say about this and I can deal with that a little bit better than like you're saying like oh Mm. your mom loved you and it's like well I mean but yeah what if she like didn't I mean
1: and that could be it too yeah what if she was on drugs I mean you know there's so many different people don't know the why, you know, we'll never know the why. And that's whether you're talking about adoptive parents or birth parents, like Mm -hmm. a lot of it is speculation, unless you can get it from that source.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. And it's why adoptees need to be respected as the experts. And that's just like anybody, like whatever experience that the person has gone through themselves personally, if you have not gone through that exact, specific thing yourself, then you can't be the expert on what my life is. What you can do is be empathetic. What you can do is sit back and, you know, be real and be like, dang, that's messed up. Right. Yeah. And I think also too, I think even for listeners, when you hear something that you believe is messed up to be able to sit back and be like, it's not my responsibility to fix or solve This situation. Rather, it is this person presented me with some information. Maybe they need the sounding board, maybe they needed a a Mm -hmm. perspective or Mm -hmm. insight, Mm -hmm. but they didn't ask me to fix or solve because you can't Mm -hmm. fix or solve the fact that I'm adopted. You just can't.
0: That's right.
2: And that's okay. You know, but if I need you, you know, to just sit and, and listen or what have you, then I'm more appreciative of that than. Anyone's incessant need to try and relieve what this mm-hmm. other can't be,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whew, which just reinforces what I believe community should be about. It should be the characteristics, you know. It should be about us being loving, you know. you being just having the ability to listen, mm-hmm. having the ability to just be humble enough to say, I don't, I'm not a savior. <laughs> you know, um, but I can support and I can sit with you and I can weep while you weep. Or if you're rejoicing, I just rejoice with you while you're rejoicing. People just want to know that somebody knows how to come alongside them, yeah. you know, just making that space for them. So I'm just so appreciative of you all sharing, um, bearing your hearts again and again, you know, um, to to this experience to this narrative um to bring this awareness forth. I also um just really am excited for people, you know, even with our kind of churchy perspectives to hear this um, and to consider. Um, and that's why I was just so like, I've got to talk to them. I gotta see if I can talk <laughs> to them. Because I do believe, I do believe that as the church family, the church community, the black church, black church community, you know, needed to hear this side of, um, of those experiences, your lived experiences. And I, and I hope that, again, it doesn't have to, you know, um, end up in it being some, oh, let's create a ministry for, you know, or some program for, I mean, you know, those have their places. But again, it's just, I think it's another way to teach us how to be with people yeah. When they have this experience, you know, how do we recognize another, um, you know, I have to use the term, but we understand it, marginalized group. How do we take this marginalized group and go, oh, that's, they are marginalized because we don't hear that story. We don't hear that perspective. And we do need to allow for space to hear from, you know, this particular person, their experience. And, oh, it is perceived or is experienced as trauma. Therefore, the way we need to relate to that is as uh, someone who has been traumatized. So I thank y'all for sharing it. Um, Thank you for telling us that we can't pray it away because we can't. (laughs) Um, And that's a real thing. And um, yeah, talk about that a lot in terms of spiritual bypass that, you know, it's, so a lot of that that we do, that's a lot of that that we do that is um, detrimental to people because we use spirituality and we use that as a way to, um, again, kind of minimize or short circuit or kind of go around what are people's experiences using you know the language of spirituality or some yeah. you know faith kind of perspective yeah. or whatever the case may be. So um I'm grateful. Thank y'all. Thank and y'all so thank much again you. for for um agreeing to come on and finally us getting our schedules together and <laughs> after all of the other conversations <laughs> yes. you know yes. coming yes. together and having yes. this conversation I, I agree with you. I think this has been the best one yet i um still encourage everyone to listen to these women my god brilliant beautiful women y'all can't see my not but anyway <laughs> sorry but no but beautiful brilliant women um and I, I hope that you all will you'll follow them you know on their platforms um, definitely go listen to their uh, podcast i just gotta say this because this popped in my mind um just one more thing one and I'm not going to remember which episode but I know there was one of your guests that talked about (laughs) you know it was she found out about her biological family and I think it tended to be a pretty large family and so at this point she was getting all of the invitations and people were coming at her and it was overwhelming her and she just finally had to go hang on I can't do this anymore like she had to really just kind of say you know time out because she was trying to process it all. And I think that she, um, if I remember correctly, she was one that did therapy too. I had to do it at that point as well. And I thought that that was a very interesting perspective that we might not even consider as well to like, you know, the the adoptive, the biological family rather can be all eager and everything. And you know, you're just kind of like, okay, I just I'm just I'm just finding out about this. I'm trying to ease right. into it. You know, oh, and it's like, come in yeah. to the like step back, so I thought that that was beautiful. Also, to be able to recognize that you know it's just not always as we want to kind of do. Like, come on in, we welcome
1: you with open arms. You know, it's
0: just like, right. oh,
1: and I'm some sorry, people hearing that might feel like, oh, as an adoptee, you you you're ungrateful because. Here, you have a, a best case scenario where your mm. your biological family, people are inviting you in and they're excited to meet you and they're happy. Why, why why aren't you returning that same energy? But it is a lot. It is a lot to process and you have to set boundaries and you have to set time to mm. take it all in. Mm-hmm. You know, the way I, I look at it, I'm like, well, yes, these are blood relatives but at the end of the day you are you're a stranger we we're learning we're developing some type of relationship but that takes time you know you cultivate that you know and dare I
2: say and (laughs) people may not want to feel this as well it is traumatic you have to place yourself into a position of never seeing anybody that has any resemblance to you, any blood tie to you. And then all of a sudden you're in a sea full of these people for the first time mm. and knowing that they all have relationships. Mm. They've
1: all had a lifetime
2: mm-hmm.
1: without mm. you. Mm. Ooh. And they feel connected. So yes, yeah. you can invite me to all the birthday parties and graduations, but
0: where do I fit I don't in?
1: Feel I don't feel the same connection. I'm mm-hmm. excited that this person is having a birthday, but I don't feel connected to yeah. that person. We haven't developed enough of a relationship to feel connected. So it's it's layered. It's it's a lot of things. But I think that's where it comes back to just listen to different experiences. Everybody has a different experience, a different story. You know, you'll you'll hear those feel good experiences, but you'll hear the ones that are not feel good experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why the podcast or even if it's not a podcast, if it's somebody just in your personal life, mm-hmm. listen to their experience. Like you you have to because it's not it's not cookie cutter. It is not Even within the same person, is not cookie cutter. So how I felt four years ago might be different than how I feel today. And so you just have to listen to that person in the moment, in real time.
0: That's right. That's right. And that's real important. I'm glad you even mentioned that because I did. I forgot I wanted to hit back on even just that developmental place, you know. And Dr. Sam, when you even talked about, you know, until you were trying to become a parent, You know, then it like hit you in a different way now, you know, Mm -hmm. so you're right, like as we travel along our human journey, you know, as we go through these developmental phases of life, we process it differently. So yeah, that is so, so true. And that's good to know, because sometimes we want to just have a once and done, you know, it's like, okay, well, we gave you the time, you processed nope. it, we good, okay, <laughs> let's move on. Sorry, it is right. never
1: right. one and done. We've heard right. so many stories about families who tried to approach it like that. And that's yeah. how they treated their adopted child. Like, oh, we, we told you when you were three and that should be the end of it. Ooh, no, yeah. <laughs> it right. is not one and done you know, but at least they got that one. I did not get even the one. I just got the done. Right, <laughs> right. The done. But, you yes. know, you, you manage it the best way um, that you can. And I one thing I do want to add before we close out, just going back to the Black church, and I think just about God in general, because it is a thought where you, you may question God, like, why? Why did this happen? You know, why didn't they tell me mm-hmm. I was adopted? Or, you know, why am I having this experience? And for me, I think even from the beginning, I never felt, like my anger was never directed toward God. If mm-hmm. anything, I felt like, even when I didn't know, He knew. You know, he, he already knew this was happening behind the scenes. This was going to happen. He knew Samantha and I would be friends and we would go on to do what we're doing now and even the things that we haven't even seen yet. And so I believe mm-hmm. that it was destined to happen, but I'm grateful that it happened mm-hmm. um, because I just can't think of... <laughs> And this could sound weird, but like two better people that he could choose. <laughs> like if you were going to choose anybody, God, to carry, <laughs> to carry this message forward, knowing yes. who we are personally, knowing who we are professionally and our paths and our skill sets. Like, yeah, of course, we were chosen. So a lot of times you hear that word chosen when it comes to adoption and it's about physically being mm-hmm. chosen as a baby but it's like mm-hmm. no 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 like mm-hmm. our adoptive parents it ain't even about them it's not about them it's not about the birth parents it's about god chose us so mm-hmm. regardless of what they did regardless of what they told or didn't told tell you know none of that matters because at the beginning of the day you know mm-hmm. like we were chosen for mm-hmm. this by mm-hmm god so with all of the trauma all of the you know tears that have been shed because there's been a lot of tears a lot of questions um i still believe that okay yeah i i was chosen for this and i i signed up for it you know i made this life contract i signed on for it so here here we are
0: yeah yeah oh Oh, that was beautiful. And that was absolutely like the cherry on top of the whole conversation because I totally agree. I have just adored you all since I first met you, like seriously. Um, and that is because the authenticity that you exude, you know, it's, it's kind of that This is this is who I am and therefore this is who you get. And I, I think that it just, when I say it works, I can, it's just because I can't think of the, another word at the <laughs>
1: moment. But, but yes. works is good. Like, it works. Like It yeah. works. It's so true. It, I mean, mm, like, yes, going with it, because it, it, I could easily see us, you know, even when Samantha and I came together in 2019, like, we, we didn't have to do this. Like, she could have, you know, she would have shared her story. I would have shared my experience. And we could have left it at that and just be like, we're not gonna talk about adoption. This is not a conversation. This is not a thing, you know, like it, it could have gone that way. But again, I feel like it was purpose to go a different direction. Yeah.
0: And I do believe that is what I mean. It works because yes, the authenticity, the transparency, I think that that's what, going back to what I was saying, you, people feel safe sharing with you all, because for you to come together, to do it, to tell your stories and to invite others in, to tell their stories from, as you say, the adoptees perspective, they have to feel safe. They have to feel that they can trust you all, you know, to be able to, to sit with you in front of a mic, Mm -hmm. you know, to publish these various experiences. And so I do believe, yes, that is the right word. It does work because you all were charged for this task. And I thank you for your yes. Thank you. I do, because it's, it's it's beautiful, the work that you do. Nobody else ever tells you. I'm telling you, and I think I have told you all that before. I'm like, I thank remember you. DMs like, thank yo, you. just keep it going. You know, just keep it up. I love what you do. Yeah. So, but um, it, you, you do a beautiful, sacred work. And I think that um, the sacredness, even exudes in the truth that it can be messy Mm -hmm. and traumatic. And so I do believe that, like you say, it's not dressed up. It's not with a little bow on it, making it all pretty. It's as it is. It is. Therefore, that's how you all present it. And I think that that's the beauty that is the beauty in it. Like, you don't feel like you got to clean it up any kind of way because, um, you're chosen. We're going to be chosen regardless. So, Rega- regardless, I- <laughs> regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ladies, thank y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank y'all so much for this conversation. Thank you. Um, thank you. And again, I tell all the listeners, y'all follow them, Black to the Beginning. That is the podcast. Go
1: follow them. Are y'all on anything else other than Instagram? Facebook okay Uh, instagram facebook website twitter um google (laughs) okay 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 okay. right 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 and everything in chicago we're we're happy to link up with you in chicago we love to go have a good meal so yeah Mm -hmm. we're we're very accessible very yes
2: listen to the podcast and you know like you did you know, share your favorite story with us. We are the mm-hmm. Black Adoption Podcast, first of mm-hmm. its kind. Yes, mm-hmm. check it out. Yes. And, and let us know, you know, how you feel about it, questions, comments, concerns. Welcome mm-hmm. to all of it. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, y'all listeners, I tell you, this has been a blessing. I know y'all have already been blessed. I ain't even gonna ask. I'm gonna just tell you, (laughs) you have been blessed by this conversation. So y'all know what I always say. Until next time, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the church, the spirit says to the churches. After you have heard the call of these beautiful and brilliant women, I ain't gonna even touch nothing else they said, but you've heard their call. What is going to
1: be your response? In the church, sing.